Several years ago, I knew a young man who had never received anything but an A or an A-plus on his report card while growing up. He was valedictorian of his class. It was just like me, but only really different. He worked very hard to do what he was supposed to do in order to be successful in his state of life. I was very proud of him. After high school, he was accepted to one of the most prestigious colleges in our country. He worked very hard, very, very hard, but was almost ashamed to communicate to me that he had only received three A's and two B's in his first semester in college. The horror of it all, I said, as I rolled my eyes and told him, get over it, good grief, that's fantastic. During his junior year, he emailed me, and the subject line said, request for prayers. My mind always goes to the worst. Oh my gosh, he's been arrested. Oh my gosh, his parents are getting into what? What's happening? I opened the email and he reeled to me almost, I could see him whispering, I think I'm getting a C on my report card. A C. In the flunk out course, I told him a C was not a terminal disease. He was actually earned the C in the flunk out course of the school. And he learned in that process to not take himself so seriously. He wrote me and said, it's strange. Despite the sea, the earth continues to rotate around the sun. What do you think the man expected in our gospel today? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I think he expected Jesus to pat him on the back and tell him he got straight A's. Or that he was valedictorian of his discipleship class and send him on his way shining with pride. But the kingdom of God isn't like a school as we know them. At the beginning of every Mass, we come into church like this man from the Gospel. And if we know what we're doing, the first thing we do is converse with Jesus just like this man did. We should kneel down and open ourselves to him. And as Mass begins, we hear the introduction to the penitential rite, that as brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare to celebrate these sacred mysteries. At this point, I start to click off the commandments in my mind. Did I kill anybody? Nope. Have I honored my father and mother? Well, most of the time, but sometimes I'm not as patient as I should be with my mother, so I could say that. Have I been pure and chaste in all my thoughts and actions? Hopefully, and yes, and so on, and so on. And I say like the man in the gospel, do I, can I say like the man in the gospel, gospel, teacher, all of these things I have done from my youth? Absolutely not. I always have room to improve. The fact that Jesus first goes to the commandments and responds to a question regarding eternal life should tell us something. That we have to have a firm grasp of the fundamentals of our faith and where sin begins. Serious sins are not often spontaneous, but they start to grow in the heart, as the scriptures tell us. For example, the murderer's first step was in his heart when he nursed a grudge or bitterness against another. It's the same when a person commits adultery as he or she fantasizes about someone else that is not his or her spouse. Stealing begins with jealousy, and lying often begins with from pride. Yes, in the penitential rite at Mass, we have to make sure that we hold ourselves to a high standard, getting straight A's in the commandments class, if you will. And one of my biggest pet peeves as a priest is the statement, I don't think I need to go to confession, Father. I mean, 
It's not like I've murdered anybody or anything. I thought, wow, now that's a bar. Most people don't murder people. But what about killing a person and his reputation with your words through gossip? What about the other nine commandments? This is why the church encourages us to examine our consciences every night. It, is to, it isn't to encourage scrupulosity, but hopefully to free us from the burden that living in contradiction to the commandments truly is. And there's great news in this regard. First, if you find yourself neck deep in the mire of some habitual sin, Jesus will meet you where you are. And he loves you enough not to leave you there. He will patiently help you and lead you out of the mess when we turn to him in prayer. The other great and challenging news is that if we are fortunate enough to be like the man in the gospel striving to keep the commandments from our youth, he doesn't merely leave you there either. He doesn't want you to strive to be an average student in faith. Even though the rules are listed in our commandments, our life with Christ is not simply about rules. Look at what Jesus does in our gospel today. He looks at the man and he loves him and he challenges him even further. The penitential rite closes with the prayer, May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Leading us to everlasting life. The same life that the man asks to inherit is what the rest of the Mass is about. After the penitential rite in the Mass, think about the rest, the liturgy of the Word, the time when we hear and reflect on God's love letters to humanity in sacred scripture. And then the liturgy of the Eucharist, the participation in the life, passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ when he comes to us, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. The interaction between Jesus Christ and the man is incredibly tragic, though, and revealing. The author of wisdom itself, Jesus, the one who is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, as St. Paul says today, is willing to lay it out there for the man, calling him to greater heights, to climb the ladder of holiness. But what Jesus will not do is force the man to love him in return. So the man knew the commandments and he followed them. And he probably even reaped the worldly rewards that often come from staying out of trouble. But ultimately, just following the rules is not enough to inherit eternal life, Jesus tells us. And the same goes for you and me. As we move through the penitential rite at every Mass and hopefully confession with relative frequency, it is not just for the purpose of checking off boxes or keeping a clean scorecard or a grade card, but because Jesus encourages us to go higher. Instead of asking what we have to do, Jesus tells the man to ponder what more he can do to bring about the kingdom of God in his life and in the world. It is called the virtue of magnanimity. How can I be greater in the kingdom? And the man went away sad when Jesus asks him to ditch many of his treasured possessions because they inhibited his discipleship. They were a distraction to him. They blinded him from God's will in his life. As we move in Mass 
to the liturgy of the word, to the, uh, to the liturgy of the Eucharist. Remember that our Lord laid down his life freely out of love for you and love for me. He said to his disciples, peace I leave you, my peace I give you. He wants to give us ultimate peace through his love and through discipleship. So do not be afraid to give up what he asks of you. Do not be afraid to make sacrifices beyond the Ten Commandments, to follow him each day, to push yourself into greater discipleship. For when we say yes to Jesus, he leads us, not forces us, to eternal happiness. So let us not go away sad like the man in our gospel today. Let us say yes to Jesus and yes to eternal life.